Welcome to the Gospel Rain Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Dr. Matt Brown and Dr. Micah Carter. We hope you will find gospel-centered answers to your questions about theology and the Christian life. And now, we welcome you to the Gospel Rain Conversation. Welcome back to the Gospel Rain Podcast. My name is Micah Carter. I'm here with Matt Brown. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, Feel good? It's a rainy day. It's nasty, but I'm hungry. And you know what? We're we're back in the saddle, man. It's our third episode since we got back into it. This is fun. This yeah. is fun. I, I yeah. have really, really missed this. I really have. I have too. Man, I feel good. And like you say, our spirits cannot be dampened by the conditions <laughs> around us <laughs> as it's raining. But uh, no, we're really excited about you know this study. We're, so maybe if we had like a strategy around this, we're going to chip away at these articles in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. We might jump in and interrupt it from time to time and do just you know one-off podcasts yeah. and things, other things, keep some variety in there. Right. But we want to work our way through this uh, doctrinal statement, confession of our convention of churches, and uh, so far so good. So today we are going to look at Article 2, which is an article on the doctrine of God, under the doctrine of God. So maybe the best way to go about that, Matt, if it's okay with you, is just to read the statement and um, clarify after the first statement um, one of the changes from the 25 to the 63 to the 2000 was that the 63 broke down three subsets after the original statement. Mm -hmm. And in other words, they wanted to spend a little bit of time talking specifically about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So today we'll look at the, the the article itself on God and then maybe get into God the Father. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know if we'll have enough time, but we'll finish up with God the Son and God the Spirit okay. maybe on a, uh, the next episode. So here is the article on God in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It says, There is one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator Redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. To him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. Mm, there's a lot to chew on there, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. <clears throat> All right. Um, first thought, and I'll throw this to you as okay. a theologian and a church historian, they're talking a lot about the Trinity. Yeah, they are. In this statement. Yeah, which is really interesting because some of the first... Uh, creeds of the church, um, say the Nicene Creed, 325 A.D., and then you have uh, Chalcedonian Creed, 451 A.D., and you have other creeds uh, back then. Uh, some of them were not dealing with Trinitarian issues. Um, the early creeds were not dealing with, they were dealing with Christological issues. Right, right. Um, who is Jesus and what is his nature? You know, is he divine? Is he human? Is he both? Is he one? Is he an alien of sorts? Is he whatever? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a there's some... You know, the 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 real de arguing and debating and deciding on the doctrine of the Trinity 
It doesn't come until a little bit later, sort of starting with Chalcedon and then following after that. There's more debate on that a little bit later. But early on, the Trinity is not as much the issue. But it really is now. Um, For us now, the issue of the Trinity is a big deal, and it's still a big deal for us now, not just in 1925 uh, when the, the article on God was written. But even now, there's still some debate in uh, in some some circles on the on the nature and the operation of the Trinity and how all three persons of the Trinity how they function. Yeah, and and so it's it's interesting that the the Baptist faith the message sort of hammers this a little bit here, mm-hmm. and then also you can tell is still hammering it when they subdivide That's it right. into Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's That's real right. emphasis put on the Trinity. Well, and and as good Trinitarian doctrine should do, it started out with strong monotheism. Mm-hmm. There's only one God, one and only one God. That's right. You know, And define this God according to his perfections and attributes, and then at the end of the article clarify that this is one God and three persons. Uh, distinct. And so, yeah, it's a mystery at the, at the heart of it for sure. But I want to point out as well that from 2563 to 2000, um, the, the 63 and the 2000 retain all of the original 25. And 63 didn't change anything. But the 2000 did. And we'll come back to Trinitarianism in just a minute. But the middle chunk that we read in the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message started talking about um, God's all-knowing, yeah, knowing right, stuff, past, right. present, future, and even this interesting phrase about knowing the future decisions of free creatures. Mm-hmm. What, what, <laughs> what's going on there? What I mean, because that is the, nowhere in the twenty-five, nowhere in the sixty-three, and all of a sudden you have this core substantive belief on God's knowledge of mm-hmm. things. Yeah, we were talking Come about on. this talking about this earlier, and I've I actually. I've, I can uh, I can see my my bookshelves here, and I got a couple of books on uh, a thing called open theism. Yeah, that was yeah. Um, you know a big a long time ago, uh, decades ago. Open theism is the idea that God doesn't know the future um, fully. He right, he right. he has good guesses. Um, he can make a good guess, an educated guess uh, about the 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 things of the future and his and and, and what his free creatures will do and won't do and the decisions they will make. So doctrine of open theism was a real challenge mm-hmm. uh, decades ago to this idea of God's omniscience. Uh, does God know it all? Does God not? Well, open theism was a was a really popular thing saying, no, God does not. He does not know it all. And um, he, he, he hopes for the best. Yeah. And he is working really hard to see that his plan will come about, but there's no real, there's no real proof that it's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's no real evidence that we have that God is actually in control of the future. He's yeah. just really working hard, and and, yeah. and we all hope it goes well. There's a huge premium placed on libertarian human freedom. Yep. Uh, if, if people are aware of that argumentation, yeah. Now, and, what, we, and what, we would say, hang on, we, we would say there is human freedom. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. But this is, this is part of the argument, though. That's right. How, how do you have this sovereign God, and yeah. at the same time, how do you have humans that are free? Do you think uh, open the, theist proponents would say God knows everything that can be known? He just can't know 
what can't be known, <laughs> which is a weird thing. To say. It is a weird thing to say, and and but I, I yeah I guess so. They they might they might say that he everything that can be known by a an intelligent being, mm-hmm. yeah, which, which simply then makes God just an intelligent being, yeah, and no more intelligent than we are really. I mean, yeah. he he would know more than we are because he has he at least has the ability to collectively know what we know, right. And know, it, and know, know it exhaustively. Yeah. But there wasn't there a view from church history came to be known as middle knowledge that basically the woulda, coulda, shouldas, you know, yeah. that God knew that too, yeah. uh, you know, as kind of a middle way. Yeah. Uh, I think this, I think this view is, is, I don't even know if it's around anymore. So here we're talking about the Baptist faith and message 2000 and open theism basically was slapped in the face by Bruce Ware in his book, you know. That's right. Uh, shoot, he wrote two books. I'm trying to think of the title. And I've actually got uh, probably both of them God's, up there. God's Lesser Glory and God's Greater Glory. Greater Glory, yeah. Yeah, by Bruce Ware. Yeah. Get them and read them because they're awesome. R- really great books. But yep. I just warn you when you're reading them, um, you're reading about um, – some controversy that has since then um, not died, yeah. but it has died down a, a whole lot since he yeah. was writing those books. Now, I remember being at Southern uh, with Dr. Ware, you know, and I took a Doctrine of Providence class with him. I remember talking a lot about open theism. We read Gregory Boyd, for example. We read a handful of other people that are, were writing on this and when it was hot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember the conversations around this being that God can know what's known, but he can't know what's not known because free creatures have not made free decisions yet. Mm-hmm. So if your understanding of free will is a libertarian free will that you choose in a vacuum and you can choose anything for any reason at any time, yeah. or a view of the human will that is compatible with your inclinations, your environment, behavior, scripture, spirit, all kinds of other factors that, uh, and I don't want to use this term in the wrong way, that, that might determine what you choose. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about God's sovereignty at this point. I'm just saying that we don't choose in a vacuum that there are factors around which. And Bruce Ware calls that um, um, volitional, what's the phrase that he puts to that? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, uh, freedom of inclination. Freedom of inclination is what he calls it, meaning... That human freedom is not made in a vacuum, but there are inclinations around which you might choose. I usually use the illustration like um, if we go to Baskin-Robbins, for example. I love ice cream, man. You know I do. I love love ice cream. When I go to a Baskin-Robbins, obviously there's 31 flavors, Mm -hmm. okay? Supposedly. Um, Supposedly. Yeah. Um, If you and I were to go in there today... And you got this whole section of this chocolate peanut buttery, and then you got the sherbets, and then you got this other thing, and you got one little tub over there of pistachio almond. Mm. Probably nine times out of ten, I'm going to go in there and get pistachio almond. That's my inclination. I love it. Uh, I can tell you for certain, I'm never going to get peanut butter anything, dude. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get coffee flavored stuff. Not me either. Now I might walk in there and get like cherries jubilee or some kind of coconut thing, or maybe even a rainbow sherbet from time to time. But <laughs> I am never going to go in there. Now here's here's the question, Matt. Am I free <clears throat> to go in there and get peanut butter ice cream? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to walk in there and get pistachio almond. So when we're talking about freedom and the choices that are made, there's an inclination around those choices. Mm-hmm. Well, proponents of open theism disagree with that. They would say you're free to choose contra anything at any time for no reason. 
And that's why God can't know that. So the framers of the 2000 statement said, yeah, God's all-knowing, and let's define what we mean by that. Right. He has perfect knowledge, and it extends to all things past, present, and future. And in case we're not clear enough about the future, we mean including the free decisions of free creatures. Yeah, that 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 sentence is really carefully crafted because of that issue. Mm-hmm. Not only the issue of open theism, but be really because of that issue. It's really carefully because of all those words that are chosen to keep to, to insert there. You know, all of those are sort of combating that idea that God may or may not know the, right. the, the future. We're saying we believe Scripture absolutely teaches that he knows all of those things, which then would would put him in a category we use theologically, omniscient, that right. God is all-knowing, right. not just some knowing, but right. he's all-knowing. Past, present, future, yep. all things. So I have a question. Um, yep. I've got, there's a there's a statement that, the, actually the, the opening statement is a little not confusing to me, but but it it can seem very redundant. All right, it says in the article there is one and only one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to ask you what you thought about that because every time I read that statement, I wonder why the redundancy. Mm-hmm. One and only. Why not just saying there is only one or there? I understand saying the difference. The difference between one and only one, I understand the difference, but I understand why we wouldn't say there is one. All right. right. But but why the, I wonder why the redundancy of one and only hmm. one. That's a good I, I don't, question, I don't man. I, I don't know. I, I've just always, nah, not necessarily been confused. I like actually the wording because yeah. I think that does make it very, very specific, but it is actually redundant, and to know that, We've had committees that have yeah. read that and kept it and kept it. Right, right. Um, it's, right. They had a reason for that. I just don't know what I'm that just is. wondering. I, yeah, I don't. That's a great question. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I, I, I would say that with when you when you begin to wade off into Trinitarianism. I mean, it's almost always <clears throat> met with. Well, you're really not monotheistic. You really believe yeah. in three gods. Yeah. And, I mean, this goes back for a millennia and a half. We're trying to say, no, we don't believe in three gods. So maybe it's maybe it's one of emphasis saying, no, we really do believe that there is one and only one living true God. Making it more of a strict statement. Yeah. We're a monotheistic yeah. religion, a just as strict. Judaism is and Islam is. We're monotheistic. Yeah. However, and and really the substance of the whole article until you get to the last the last sentence is monotheistic mm-hmm. in its reading. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then it, it unpacks it as, okay, this eternal God reveals himself. Mm-hmm. Um, now that raises... Uh, it's a minor thing. I just was curious. I think it's an emphasis on we really are monotheistic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, let me, let me throw this at you because I thought this was a little redundant mm-hmm. as well uh, and to, to play off your point with the monotheistic. So the... The 63 adopted the 25, made no changes, no amendments, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know the middle portion of the 2000 adds that open Other theism than reaction. It. Other than subdividing it. Okay. Yeah. But the 2000 adds one word uh, in, in the last sentence. Now, the sentence is, The eternal God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit without distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, and being. That's the 25 and the 63. Mm-hmm. Here's the 2000. The eternal triune God yeah. reveals himself. 
Why do you think they added triune? Well, because uh, partly because I think that the what comes at the end mm-hmm. um, of that sentence is probably why I think it sort of fleshes out a look. Uh, fleshes it out a little bit more mm-hmm. because the issue of division of nature, essence, and being. This has always been an argument in church history. Right. The the division of nature and essence. In other words, is the Father and the Son okay? Are they equal? But are they the same? Right. 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 Are, are they equal with each other? Well, there've been arguments to say, well, uh, yeah, but you know, maybe they're both divine, but they're not of the same substance. Well, then they're then they're not. Then they're not the same. So the arguments have been for for you know a long long time about the nature of the divinity of the Father and then the divinity of the Son. Mm-hmm. But it, so if you have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for that matter not of the same essence, then we don't have a Trinity. Correct. Correct. We we have an amalgam of these these divine beings or these higher beings. But we don't have a a a Godhead of one God, three persons in one Godhead. So we lose the Trinity altogether. So I think, I personally, mm. I think that is why that that is carefully added to say that we believe in a monotheistic mm-hmm. God. I mean, we have a monotheistic view of God, but at the same time, is it, there is a not. Not tritheism, not three right. gods, but a a triunity That's huge. of 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 this one Godhead. Triunity, yeah. yeah. And I think it's also important that they retain the word that this God reveals Himself. It doesn't say manifests Himself, mm. because if if you use if you use manifests Himself, that is. Uh, a heresy in the church known as modalism. Mm-hmm. In the Old Testament, God manifested as Father. In the, in the New Testament, Gospels manifested as Jesus the Son. And in the church and beyond, manifested as a Spirit. Because that that is a strong monotheistic view, yeah. but a very weak, poor, erroneous Trinitarian view. That's right. So, yeah, so I by think, holding to the one, you reject the other. Here, it's a, an attempt, I think, with the first statement, the mm-hmm. the monotheistic statement, and then this issue of the Trinity. I think it's a it's an attempt to hold to make sure that we hold to both. Yeah, because we think the Scripture teaches it. both. Yeah, strengthening. Okay, that's helpful. So then, as you mentioned, that the sixty three extended the article on God with three subsections: God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I'm glad they did. I think uh, you know. Yeah. I think that's helpful. It's yeah. worth spending more time on. What do we mean by this triune God? So God the Father. Um, do you have that statement in front of you? Yeah, I got yeah, it. yeah. Read that statement. All for right, us. God the Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history, according to the purposes of His grace. He is all powerful, all knowing, all loving, and all wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. Now, there's a real distinction here, and you may want to talk about other things in the article, but a real distinction in the last two sentences, and I want to address it real quickly. God is Father, and God is fatherly. I noticed that. And there's two different yeah. ways of thinking about that, right? So yeah. let's let's talk about that real quickly. We we would divide that as theologians into different ways of talking about God's special grace and God's general grace, all right? Or or um that the, some of those kind of terms or terms like that that we would use, right? So God is Father 
uh, capital F, mm-hmm. Father. And then when it says he is fatherly, that's a lowercase f. So he is Father in truth to those who belong to him, as it says, who become his children, and then fatherly in his attitude toward all men. So we would, we would say very, very basically that God, because of and, and through his Son, those who have been saved through faith or by grace through faith in his Son, are his children. Therefore, he is capital F, our Father. But we can, in a real sense, say that God is a father or fatherly in his attitude toward everybody, whether they're a believer or not, whether they belong to him by faith or not, meaning uh, that God in his uh, general or generic grace to everybody brings rain on the just and the unjust. God gives breath to his children, but also sustains the breath of lost people. And he, you know, those kind of things. And so, it, you know, the, the plants grow in yeah. believers' homes, and they the plants grow in unbelievers' homes. So it's a general grace to everybody, meaning he acts in a sort of a fatherly attitude toward everybody. You know, and just practically speaking, you and I are both fathers. Um, there are many ways, there are many ways, like at church, Kids will come up, love on me, hug yeah, on me, yeah. and man, I feel I feel very fatherly toward them. Sure, but when I go home, I got two sons that, in truth, I am their father. That's right. That's a very carefully worded statement at the end of this article, and you you unpacked it extremely well. Um, that, and you know, it, it doesn't say the word here, but I think it's important is that even though God has created all people in His image, mm-hmm. that because of the fall. He has adopted those who have faith in Jesus Christ into his family. That's right. So we are his children. And now it's not said in this statement. It'll come up later in the salvation. But but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's I, like the, I like the distinction there, and I think that's a good way of explaining it. You know, people will say God is, you know, all of us are God's children. Well, in a sense— that may be true. All of us are God's children. No, what we mean by that because God is fatherly in his attitude mm-hmm. toward everybody. But in a very real sense, we are not all his children. Correct. Right. So Correct. Uh, the distinction is very clear, and I think that's a, a good, I think that's a good, um, two good statements to make about the Father in this article. I agree. And I think, you know, the, it's interesting to me that they didn't use the term sovereignty in this article. Yeah. But notice how they said it. It's God reigns with providential care. That's pretty much the same concept. Yeah, it is. He he oversees all things in his universe, his people, and the completion of human history. Yeah. According yeah. to his grace. And I was going to ask you about that, too. That that, that phrase, uh, reigns with providential care over the flow of the stream <laughs> of human history according yeah. to the purposes of his grace. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In in your opinion, explain what you think that means over the flow of human history. Man, I mean, I guess when you step back and take a look at some of the great evils of human civilization, the Holocaust, yeah, uh, <laughs> rampant abortion now where we've seen how many 60, 60 plus, and a half yeah. million babies in our own country, Um. That you can look at God and say, "Are you really, are you really engaged with us? I mean, are you a deistic, uh, 
You know, right, right, did you right, just right. create this thing and send it in motion and step away and we're just left to deal with this kind of stuff? So now the connection of the flow of the stream of human history concludes with according to the purposes of his grace, mm, right. which I, re, I, you know, I've got Ephesians one eleven in the that's back right. of my mind that all things according to the counsel of his own will, that he has purpose. And even though we can't see or make sense of God's tolerance and allowance of, you know, the murder of millions of babies or the murder of millions of Jews, his own people, right. you know, uh, covenant people, that we still affirm that he, he does care for his universe, he does care for his people, he does care for human history and its summing up of all things in Christ. Mm-hmm. We see that lived out in the Scripture, mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? There, there are bad things that happen all through the Old Testament in the same way. And but at the same time, we understand that God is in charge of the the flow of all those events. So, right. you know, Doctor Bain, uh, a professor of ours at Blue Mountain College, uh, when we were both there a long time ago, long time ago now, <laughs> um, he used to make the distinction, which I, I always liked, the distinction between a history and a holy history. Mm-hmm. Right? There's mm-hmm. history, the events of history, the things that happen, and you mentioned a couple of those things. But there, but there is holy history as well. There is a right. there's this overarching idea that God is absolutely in control mm-hmm. in His providence over the the flow of all history, yeah, and that yeah. it is, in a sense, it's all his history, yeah. Um, that it belongs to him, and that he is in charge of all that, and that he's moving all of history to its final consummation uh, in, in Christ. And so, yeah, that's I, good. You know, I, so I think the distinction is really good. I, the flow of human history, I actually like the wording of that there. I do too, um, and I, you know, as I heard you talking about the distinction of those things. That scripture that says the nations are a drop in the bucket. That's right. You know, and I think we have such a, a C.S. Lewis says, a chronological snobbery yeah. that yeah. we think it's all about us. That's and right. I mean, our nation's barely 200 years old. I mean, That's you right. know, and I just think the nations are a drop in the bucket. But when you look at great civilizations over time, mm-hmm. you know, that have risen and fallen, not just Babylon and Assyria, right. but, you know, um, England and, you know, all all kinds of other things through human history, God is, he has a vantage point from which, because he is eternal and he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful, that, and this this was one of the problems with open theism, is that God had to be a really, really, really good chess player. Oh, yeah. Because he's good, and and I think they would say he's going to get human history where he wants it, Mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah. But he's doing it because he's playing chess. Yeah. But you're, we're looking at a different statement here that's saying God is providentially caring for his universe, his children, and the flow of human history in such a way that the purposes of his grace will be worked out. Mm. Well, that's good. You know? Well, this article, this is an article on God, and then as we said later to, in uh, 63, they, in 1963, they subdivided it into the categories of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right. which we just looked at, uh, that subcategory, or Article 2A, I think 2A. is what it's uh, called in the right, actual right. document, in 2A. And then next time when we're together on the podcast, we'll look at 2B and 2C, which is Son and Holy Spirit, which okay, is great. really chock full, too, of a lot of good stuff and and uh, we'll talk more about that too. Uh, so let me let me uh, let me wrap up the podcast. This has uh, gone by very quickly, mm. and uh, there's a lot more to talk about. But hopefully, we've uh, we've given our listeners at least enough to sort of start with. 
But let me, before I get into the final segment, let me recommend a resource. It's a resource that I actually have in my hand right now. It's called the Baptist Faith and Message. Um, it was produced by Lifeway, and uh, the authors are uh, Dr. Chuck Kelly and Richard Land and uh, Dr. Moeller. And it's a Bible study written on the Baptist Faith and Message. So Great. you can find the Baptist Faith and Message out there online. Mm-hmm. Like we said, we'll make sure that we're we're posting these things in the show notes. But you can also find this as a Bible study you can do in a group at church or a small group uh, you want to get together and walk through a little bit more in detail the the articles of the Baptist Faith and Message. So it's a good resource. Can I recommend a resource yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, I don't know where I picked this book up. It's published by... Uh, a publisher I'm not really familiar with, Roman and Littlefield Publishers. Yeah, I think I got that one in seminary. Must have. Uh, I think I must have, too. Anyways, it's edited by Doug Blunt and Joseph Woodell, and it's it's called The Baptist Faith and Message 2000, mm-hmm. subtitle, Critical Issues in America's Largest Protestant Denomination. And what this does is it takes the articles, and you've got a lot of different authors who lean in and give some context. For example, uh, Dr. Moeller, Danny Aiken, Malcolm Yarnell, Russell Moore, Paige Patterson, Steve mm-hmm. Lemke, Chad Brand, Jerry Johnson, uh, and others. And so they, they take the article and they they make an application. Now, this this was released 2007. Okay. So even then, it's still going to be contextual. Yeah, it will be. There's from, a lot of things day. have happened since then, since yeah. just then. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let me close with a segment that we began a long time ago, and we've done this I think once. I'm not sure, but I wanted to do it again. Uh, called five questions. Okay, I got five questions. for Oh, you're you. gonna put me on the spot, yeah, man. And you okay. have not seen these questions. I have not, and so we got to no. do this fast. Okay? okay, okay. So I'm gonna ask you five questions that are just hmm. random uh, that I'm thinking about, and that you've got to answer as quickly as you can. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Number one, and this is just all random and personal things. Okay. If you could name one firearm that you could shoot right now, what would it be? One firearm? If you could get it in your hands and you could shoot it, what would you love? What mm. would you love? That I own or that? No, no, no. Anything. Oh, any firearm. Lord. A Barrett 50 caliber. You too? I was going to yeah. say the exact that's same That's just a thing. monster rifle. I'd love to feel Barrett what fi- that's yeah, like. Just boom. I've yeah. never felt a 50 cal and I would just love to see what that feels yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. We need, we need, we'll find one. We'll do somebody that needs to, we, we got, surely we got a listener that can God, get us uh, somebody. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two, what is your, cause we're coming up on Thanksgiving. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Favorite Thanksgiving mashed potatoes. Not instant potatoes, really? but I'm talking about okay, real, just the real, real deal. buttery, salty, kind of stuff, and I like giblet gravy. Oh yeah, on the mashed. You like potatoes. the real giblets though? The real giblets, nah, the heart, so the liver, but, all that stuff no, in a mixed egg. And, and man, now you got me talking about Thanksgiving food, bro. <laughs> and we're hungry. But too. one thing my mama made that's not—it's unusual. We we make a hominy casserole. That's real cheesy. It's got chiles in it. It's uh, got black olives in it and hominy. And I grew up in Thanksgiving always having that hominy dish. So uh, I love mashed potatoes. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite. But that hominy dish would be close really? to Really? You like cranberry sauce? I do. Okay. I do. All right. A third question. If you had one passage of Scripture to preach mm-hmm. and it was your final message, what would you preach? Probably 1 Corinthians 2. two. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus oh, Christ and Him crucified. Boy, that's good. Yep. That's There's just a mountain of... Mm. I mean, right in there, Jesus 
and him crucified. I like that. I like that. All right, fourth question. What is your favorite uh, – this is a hard question because it, it just depends. <laughs> what is your favorite app on your phone? For anything non like mm. business related, non career related things that are just that it could be random, it could be whatever, it could be a game, it could be anything. All right, so I, I'm where what I have used probably more than any of late is the Mario Kart app. Okay, my boy's got me hooked on his Mario Kart, and it's just so fun, man. <laughs> and I probably I probably hit that a couple of times a day playing Mario Kart. So outside of the social media apps, which okay. some of that's communication some yeah, of that's yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Okay. getting information uh i don't really consider those my favorite apps but yeah i'd say, I'd say mario Kart. okay cool yep. all right fifth question what is of all of them because i'm sure there are many of them what is meredith's that, that's your wife mm-hmm. meredith's most unloved quirk that you have <laughs> <laughs> most unloved quirk what is one of those things that you do that she just can't stand? That well, and this is—I'll say this—it's—it's it's a quirk, <laughs> but I just—I—I I want her to love it as much as I do. She just—she's she doesn't like food. She's she's not a foodie. She and all the food that what? she loves is really bland. Like pepper is hot to her, so she, so she could literally eat just a little tiny portion and survive like a bird and not even worry about it. Whereas I'm, you know, it's like Kevin James on, uh, uh, what sitcom he had that one time. King of Queens. King of Queens. He said, he looked at his wife and, and he said to her, you, you think food is just fuel, but for me, food is an undiscovered country. (laughs) And that's how I feel with Meredith. Like food, I'm just with the best meal every single time. But she's like, just give me something to eat so I can yeah be, I can survive. move on right yeah I can move on. yeah and she, so it's a quirk for sure that we've seen in our married life but it's only because I want her to love that's it as much hilarious. as I do that's yeah. hilarious okay I'm glad I knew that yeah All that's right. great questions man yeah man I I, we fire them off like that it's, it's a lot of fun yeah yeah I'm not the one who has to think on my feet though when I have to do this <laughs> uh, I'll get you back yeah I know. <laughs> let me close the podcast thanks for listening to us on the Gospel Rain podcast today uh, check it out on uh, Facebook and Twitter and go to the website there'll be some other things there in the near future some things posted there some writings things like that and we'll put that out there for you but hopefully in, in all things we hope that it encourages you and leads you to Christ so we'll see you next time on the Gospel Rain podcast Thank you for joining us for the Gospel Rain podcast. We hope you've been encouraged today, and we pray the gospel will reign in your life this week. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or check out our website at gospelrain.com. Mm-hmm.